0: This is the final sermon in our series on the confession of faith, which has been going on off and on now for about three years. And it feels good to finally get to the end. (laughs) Not not because the series hasn't been good, but uh, just because it feels good to finish something. Uh, This reign of God otherwise known as the kingdom of god is the topic for today and in our series we've not shied away from the questions or the dissonance we may experience when we read and reflect upon our Mennonite confession confession faith so when you listen to uh, betty read the article and you saw it on the screen that thomas put up there um i'm wondering Where you experienced consonance, as in where it felt understandable and right, and where you experienced dissonance, as in where it felt odd or questionable or disagreeable. Well, since this is more of a sermon than a conversation, I guess I'll have to answer that question for myself, and your answers, of course, may differ. Uh, when I hear the article, I experience consonance when the rain as rain is described as being part of our earthly life. Uh, when it's described as justice, inclusion of people on the margins, I can relate to the idea that as a church, we are to live this reality and be a sign, a, demonst- a demonstrable sign of it. I can resonate with the kingdom of God or the reign of God as a vision. For how life should be and that guides us. The dissonance for me comes with all of the talk of the future, when Christ, our ascended Lord, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I can't quite imagine the reign of God as something that's going to come miraculously, like an act of God, into human history. Like when it says, At Christ's glorious coming again for judgment, the dead will come out of their graves. Those who've done good to the resurrection of life, those who've done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. God will bring justice to the persecuted and confirm victory over sin, evil, and death. We look forward to the coming, it says, of a new heaven and a new earth. Well, all this, to be honest, I can't quite imagine. And when when I'm honest with myself, I can't say I'm looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. I'm quite used to this one and and, um, comfortable with this one, and I'd much rather that this one be repaired than that it be exchanged for something... Another time, uh, uh, an ancient time, a pre-scientific time. Well, I'm wondering how you respond when you hear the words of this article of our Confession. Are your consonances or dissonances somewhat similar to mine, or are they different? Our Mennonite Anabaptist tradition has always made a central place for the biblical text. Uh, Our seminary, for example, AMDS, is a biblical seminary and not a theological seminary. And I think uh, this is probably why this future apocalyptic vision of the kingdom is included so prominently in our confession of faith. It's here in our confession because the vision is so prominent in the Bible. The advent of this future kingdom is described in both of the New Testament texts that were read this morning. It's striking that in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says that there are some standing in his day year 30 AD or so 30, 33 who will not taste death before they see this kingdom of God come with power. And Jesus describes it as the son of man coming in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's certainly not pictured as a gradual thing. It's abrupt, and there will be judgment. And Jesus seemed to think it was almost going to happen. In Luke, he says the lightning, it's it's interesting, it's contradictory. He says it's not going to come the way you think. Don't look for it. But then, strangely enough, he gives the signs of how it's going to happen. He says, the lightning flashes, lights up the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. And the coming of the Son of Man is is synonymous with the advent of his kingdom. Uh, He likens it to the days of Noah, everything's going on, and all of a sudden, boom, the flood comes, and people have to scramble. One person will be left, another will be taken. So the kingdom of God according to Jesus will come by surprise, like a flood, and there will be judgment. I think our Confession of Faith includes these images and these beliefs because they are in the Bible. And they're not really interpreted in the Confession, they're just stated. And so how are we to make sense of them as we read them, and reflect on them. I began talking about our consonances and dissonances. Uh, And in a sense, I suppose, according to our Anabaptist tradition, that's probably not the right question to be asking. Because Anabaptists have generally said that what matters most is what the Bible says, not what our feelings or preferences may be. Uh, We've traditionally understood the Bible to have authority over us, including that it should shape our preferences. Right from the very beginning of the Anabaptist movement, Scripture was central. The Reformation, as we know, grew out of a fresh engagement with the biblical texts in the common language of the people. In a sense, It was taken out of the hands of the learned theologians and given to the common person. And the Mennonite church was certainly a a church of the common people. They firmly believed that the Holy Spirit could inspire anyone, even an illiterate peasant, to read and understand the Bible. And our Anabaptist forebears were known as people who took it at face value Testimonies of the martyrs were simply compilations of Biblical texts lifted right out of Scripture without without interpretive commentary. So what are we to make of these confessional beliefs that are based so directly on Scripture? Are we to buckle down and just accept them as true, even though they don't make a lot of sense to us? This may have worked in the past, but it's, I think it's getting harder. It's been getting, and it is getting, harder and harder to do this. Um, thinking of when I'm talking with young people about baptism, and I find that the confession as it's written, this article, for example, is as much an obstacle as it is a help. The biblical language feels so strange and otherworldly young people. And we're not really willing to believe something anymore just because it's stated clearly in the Bible. Young people want things to make sense. They're looking for a biblical truth that somehow is related to what they're learning at school, in science class, in uh, philosophy class. So there has to be some interpretive work done on these biblical statements. And the confession of faith doesn't really help us that much. It would be nice if it were more helpful. And I wonder why it's not. It's not that these questions and dissonances were not present in 1995 when it was written. I Suppose in many ways in the church is still too controversial to unpack all these things. I would guess that most of us think about the kingdom of God today here at Rockway probably in general in MCEC and MC Canada we're not thinking so much in terms of the biblical images that were presented today in the readings and that are in the article. Um, We're probably thinking more In modern images of the social democratic society, Uh, picturing the kingdom as an inclusive society, uh, where social justice reigns, where human rights are respected, where there's a transition away from fossil fuels, most of us would likely understand that God's kingdom is just basically about living what Jesus taught in the here and now, the ethics, the values. We might believe that someday this kingdom will be more complete here than it is now. We might believe that if we work hard enough, things will gradually improve. We probably believe that our job as Christians is to build this kingdom, uh, promote it, even trying to influence secular public policy to be more in line with it maybe even running for political office to help help along the process. As for how history will end or the final kingdom will come, we're not really sure and not all that concerned about it. This is my guess. I'm not sure if you share these feelings, but that's my guess of what generally we would think. And, And this vision, what I'm describing, has really been the approach, I would say, of liberal Protestant theology for at least the last 150 years. And I think probably our vision of the kingdom comes more from this liberal Protestant tradition, theology, than it does from the Bible. Um, Most modern Anabaptists like us put a lot less emphasis on the Bible than our four parents did. In my reading for the sermon, I came across uh, a translation of an important book from the late 19th century uh, entitled Jesus' Proclamation of the Kingdom of God, written by the German New Testament scholar Johannes Weiss. Um, In the book, Weiss does very careful exegetical work on every passage in the Bible, where Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. And he's aware of the current liberal view of his time, which is really not that far from our view. Um, The German scholars of the 19th century were coming to grips with the Enlightenment and with Darwin and so on, and uh, trying to make sense of the Bible in this context. And as a result, they rejected much of the mythical and supernatural content of the biblical accounts. Theologians like Albrecht Ritchell talked about the kingdom as that place where, quote, believers in Christ act reciprocally out of love, expanding the community of moral conviction. This, I think, is very similar to how we would think today. The kingdom is where Christ's will is practiced. And and the thing I found interesting was that ritual and others during this time were talking as if this is what Jesus actually taught in his teachings. Um, and this Johannes Weiss shared the liberal view, but he um, suspected that his, his companions were not really being accurate about what Jesus actually taught in the Bible. And so he set about to do a thorough biblical analysis. Uh, And he came to the conclusion that this liberal view of the kingdom which we hold was not at all what Jesus was talking about in his teaching. Jesus, he said, was in fact preaching the kingdom of God with the conviction of a first century Jewish apocalyptic prophet. Just like we heard in these passages that we read from Mark and Luke. As unpalatable as it may be, sound to modern liberal ears, Weiss contended that Jesus of Nazareth actually believed in another heavenly realm that would be established on earth in a cataclysmic historical event. Jesus believed in a cosmic spiritual battle between Satan, the prince of the air, and God, the father of all. He believed that this cosmic battle was coming to a head in his lifetime or shortly thereafter and that he would have some sort of central role in securing its advent or the victory of god jesus believed that god's kingdom was at hand meaning very close imminent and he was announcing its certain arrival he started his ministry by telling people to prepare. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, repent. Think of his servant on the mount in this way. It's really crisis preaching. Those who have two coats, give one away. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus said, quote, it will be better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two and be thrown into hell. It's clear that he's talking about something very, very different than the liberal idea that we're used to. Something very different than the gradual moral progress vision or the social platform of the Green Party or the NDP or the liberals. If we were to go through all of the biblical texts, I believe we'd see that vice was correct. Jesus was a first-century Jewish prophet. He was not a liberal Protestant. Jesus was, in fact, very different from how we often imagine him. He's not from our culture, nor is he from our worldview. I find all this somewhat unsettling. We don't see the world the same way as our founder and savior did. Maybe this is why the confession doesn't want to get into all this stuff. This is unsettling because as Christians we want to feel close to Jesus. We like to enlist him for our cause, feel like he's with our, as our friend, feel that he agrees with us. We like to cast him in our image. And so when we experience this, this strangeness, this this dissonance, it's uncomfortable. What are we to do about it? What are we to think about it? As I've been saying, I don't think our confession alone gives us enough guidance. It just restates, kind of in an Anabaptist fashion, it restates a compilation of the biblical texts and leaves us hanging. There's this large hermeneutical gap that exists, and it doesn't seem to address it. So I suppose that this is the work that we have to do. in every congregation, in every generation. The question is always, how do we go about it? Um, how do we do it in a way that is faithful to the core of the biblical tradition, but that also takes into account the changes that have happened, current knowledge? This is what all churches seek to do, and, and what Broadway Church has been, has been doing since its Inception, some 60 years now. So I don't think we need to be, we have to keep going and not be afraid of doing it. And it's, it, it, it always includes a bit of messiness and differences of opinion. I can't say that I have a clear interpretation of what this kingdom of God really is. It still feels like an enigma to me. Um, what is it actually? On the one hand, I don't think, I can't imagine it being this otherworldly thing that breaks into history um, in a sudden wave of judgment. On the other hand, I don't really believe it's something that we can build on our own with our own efforts and hard work alone. Somehow, perhaps, it's it's already here uh, as some sort of a gift or something. But obviously it's not already here in many other ways. It's something that seems to require spiritual and moral courage. Obviously something to embody in our daily lives, in our social relations, in the political realm. But it seems to be also something inner and spiritual. We can't just make it happen through public policy alone. It has to do with people's hearts and souls as well. It has this inner dimension and an outer, and this inner and outer have to be are, are connected. That's about all I can so I'm wondering if, well, what you folks think uh, what, what is the kingdom of God the reign of God what does it look like how does one experience it um, will it come in its fullness uh, well, our, our work on this as a congregation continues uh, thank you for listening